Well, like I said earlier, those songs that we just sang are a perfect segue into my sermon and really capture the essence of what I want to talk to you about today as we continue in this sermon series from the book of 1 John entitled Assured. Uh, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to kind of continue a little bit. It's kind of going to kind of be the same. Uh, a lot, uh, I guess this is part two of, uh, of last week. It may not kind of feel that way, but um, John chapter 2 is kind of interesting the way that it kind of blends some themes in together. But this series in general, all these sermons uh, in general, um, uh, I guess you could summarize them by one verse of Scripture in 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. The whole purpose of, the, of John writing 1 John, which has become the whole purpose of this sermon series, uh, can be summed up in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, where he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, this, this is what we call assurance of salvation. Uh, so we're going to use some terms today. We're going to talk about assurance of salvation. Uh, we're going to talk about eternal security. Uh, some of you might say once saved, always saved. Uh, uh, and I'm, but I'm really going to use the term perseverance a lot uh, today as well. Now, uh, basically, all of these things that John talks about in the book of 1 John, he gives what I'm just referring to as recognizable characteristics of someone that is truly saved. And as I've moved through this material, I've mentioned to you that I've identified about 19 of these just in the book of 1 John that give us assurance, that give us the assurance that we know that we have eternal life. And there's some that we've talked about already, and I just have these for the, the screen for you. And you may not remember some of these as we, this goes back uh, several weeks whenever we were uh, in the beginning parts of, of, of uh, 1 John chapter 1. But this last one is the one that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about perseverance. And that means that those who genuinely receive Christ abide in Christ. And abide in Christ is the title of my message today. Now the reason that I'm kind of, uh, I guess you would say, uh, packaging this information from 1 John in this, in this way is because I believe that whenever we look at these recognizable characteristics for self-evaluation, that these are the things that give us assurance. We don't just trust that somebody tells us that we're saved. We don't just kind of randomly read Scripture and believe concepts that aren't played out in our personal life. When we see these fruits, when we see these things begin to happen in us, when we realize that, hey, I, I have a joyful fellowship and relationship with God. I have experienced forgiveness that Man, the things of this world I'm just beginning to emotionally detach from. We can self-evaluate and look at these things, and it gives us assurance that, in fact, we are saved. Because you, you are the one that determines whether or not you're saved or whether you're not. Now, it has to be based upon the Word of God, but no one can tell you that you're saved. You have to self-evaluate and know for sure. Last week, we talked about a warning, a, a very strong warning that we see recurring all throughout Scripture, but is also mentioned very pointedly in 1 John chapter 2. And it was a warning against antichrists, not necessarily 
the Antichrist that's going to appear during the end times, but the, what John refers to as the many Antichrists. And we're just referring to them as uh, anti-Christian influences. And I distinguished last week between uh, what something, uh, something or someone that is unchristian and something or someone that is anti-Christian. Uh, to be unchristian is to just not be Christian. To be anti-Christian is to be proactively, vocally, intentionally against Christ um, and against the gospel. And these anti-Christian influences are at work in the world. And the truth is, anti-Christian influences are even at work within churches and within denominations. This is why John, writing to Christians, is telling them to be careful about Antichrist and about false teachers because this is a real threat. This is a real, a real threat to people. And the goal of an Antichrist, I don't know if I, if I gave that to you, and I'm sorry that my, my English is, is a little off here. I put an and in the wrong place. Uh, but the goal of an Antichrist is to influence people to disconnect from Christ, should be a common there, disassociate from church, and to deconstruct their faith. And you can just think about these three D's, which is what Antichrist wants to do. Wants you to disconnect from Christ, not really have a relationship with Him anymore, not really live a Christian lifestyle. So disconnect from Him, disassociate from the church, disassociate from God's people, get away from those people, they're toxic is what an antichrist would say. And then ultimately, to deconstruct your faith. It's like demolition, board by board. So it takes a principle of the gospel and deconstructs it and redefines it. It takes a principle about who God is and, uh, and, and, and dismantles it and deconstructs it. It take, takes uh, something that is, is said in the Bible and deconstructs it, uh, dismantles it, removes it, redefines it. And a lot of people, this has happened to a lot of people. I bet you know of some people that this has happened to. I bet you could say, I personally know, this may, this may have had to happen to some people close to you, maybe even some people in your own family who would, uh, would say that they were once connected to Christ, that they were once associated with church, that they once had or claimed to have a faith, but now that's kind of passed in their life. Uh, now that no longer defines them. And we actually find some, well, some, some formerly well-known pastors who have said to become deconverted. <laughs> That's an interesting term. Uh, deconverted. And they have claimed to have deconstructed their faith. This is what an antichrist wants. This is their whole goal, to have you dismantle, deconstruct, disassociate, disconnect from God and from the Bible and from all things Christian. So last week we saw the warning, a strict warning, be careful about the Antichrist. Today we're going to read a comfort and an assurance that God is protecting you from Antichrist. Now that's, now that, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? We see this tension in the New Testament. This tension, not, not just in 1 John, but we see this tension all throughout the New Testament, this warning not to fall away. Read the, basically the entire book of Hebrews. This warning not to fall away. But we also see in Scripture this assurance that God has you. 
that he's not going to let you go, that you are secure. And it's interesting that we see these truths. They seem to be in conflict. They seem to contradict one another. But we see them both affirmed, and we actually see both of them affirmed in the second chapter of John. Most of the scripture we read about the warning was last week. Most of the scripture that we read about the assurance uh, we're going to read right now. And so I offer, uh, I invite you to just take your copy of God's Word, uh, open it to 1 John chapter 2, and stand with me as we begin reading in verse 24. And we're going to see through these verses, we're going to see this assurance, this comfort that we have um, that Christ, those who are in Christ, are going to persevere because they are preserved by God. And that's, that's, that's important to understand. You're going to persevere in your faith, not because your own strength, but because you are, in a very real sense, divinely preserved by God. Let's read these verses together. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 24. We read a couple of these verses last week. I want to reiterate them. Verse 24 says, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you, about those who are trying to deceive you, those antichrists. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears... We may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Let's pray. God, today I pray, and I just repeat the same prayer that I repeated earlier in the service. God, would you give your people assurance today? Lord, would you just comfort them and help them to rejoice in their salvation? Lord, use me as a flawed vessel, however you may. God, but may people hear your voice today. May they hear your word. And we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So last week I made a statement um, as I kind of started down this road of per perseverance and how that's an evidence that we're saved. Last week I made this statement, and I said, it was, it's based on John chapter 2, how the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to keep us among the people of God. This is, this, is very, this is a very important work that God does. Because genuine believers, we know we're going to struggle. And, I mean, come on, seriously. How many of us would say we've never struggled? I mean, how many, how many of you believers, you've been walking with the Lord, but man, you struggle with sin. I mean, all of us, right? You struggle with doubt. Uh, you struggle with disappointment. Things just don't kind of turn out the way that they should. But the Bible teaches us clearly that those of us who are true believers, we have the Spirit of God who uses the Word of God to keep us among the people of God and to keep us secure in Christ. And the term that we used to describe that is the term abide in Christ. 
In fact, John uses this term a lot. John uses this term a lot in his epistle, 1 John, because Jesus used this term in this parable that he told of the vine and the branches to describe how Christians flourish and how Christians bear fruit. So John uses, uh, John uses, it, uh, uses it a lot. And uh, I fear that sometimes we use this term abide in a works-based way rather than in a positional way. John and Jesus use the term abide to describe a position that we're in, not necessarily something that we have to exercise effort in order to maintain. And I want to illustrate. I want to illustrate today um, the um, uh, uh, Jesus's uh, Jesus's uh, parable or teaching from John 15 about abiding in Christ. You may be wondering why I have a hangman's gallows uh, that has been sitting in uh, here on the stage. I want to ask you guys uh, to go ahead and bring it up. And so uh, uh, we're going to hang someone today uh, in. Um, in the last service, um, I hung the chairman of deacons. Uh, in this service, and I've really been looking forward to this, ever since I've had a teenager, I've wanted to hang a teenager. And so uh, we're going to hang Levi Parkinson today. So Levi Parkinson, uh, you go ahead and, uh, and come on up. And hey, I want you guys to hang with me, if you don't mind, because this thing is kind of rickety. Adam, I almost broke it uh, last service. And uh, if you could just hold right here. Just, just hold right here in case it, in case Levi breaks it, because he's good at breaking stuff. Believe me, he lives in my house, and I know. So, Levi, what you're going to do is you're going to illustrate for all of these people. You're going to illustrate what it means to abide in Christ. So, uh, I just want you to use your imagination, church family. Uh, this is the vine, and Levi is going to be the branch who is going to abide, or he's going to remain. Uh, he's going to remain in, in in the vine. So, Levi, go ahead, and uh, you. Just jump on up there and uh, and you just kind of hang do you need some help no nope. okay Go, you jump on up there and you just hang there uh, as as uh, as long as you can and uh, so he's he's abiding okay so we want him to perform well in Christ right so go ahead and do a pull up come on show us how you can do a pull up all right he can do one pull up maybe he can do another one can you do another pull up okay well you just hang there so whenever Jesus talks about abiding in Christ I mean this is this is kind of this is kind of what he talks about so I mean there's things that there's things that come along in life that kind of threaten us and want to keep us from abiding in Christ and stuff like that. And it's, I mean, it's really uh, for uh, Levi's doing really good. Let me tell you, Levi did a lot better than Adam, uh, than Adam Ely did. I can just tell you. Um, but when we abide in Christ, I'm before law. Now, wait a minute. All right, you're crashing my illustration. All right. You're supposed to abide. So I need you to get back up there. Get back up there. The whole point is for you to remain. Okay, remember, you're the branch. This is the vine. Get, come on, jump on up there. Get back up there. You can't use your legs. All right? He has to abide, all right? So he's going to keep abiding. And you want to do another pull-up? You don't want to do another? Can you do another pull-up? Okay, very good. All right. So, I mean, he, you know, just went on a mission trip or something. He's doing really good. I mean, he's a, you know, he's an athlete. <laughs> Levi. You have to remain up there. You have to stay there. Can you not stay there? It's hard. Huh? It's hard? One of you guys want to try it? No, I'm not going to let you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> Y'all can go back and sit down. Y'all did good. Thank you, Levi. 
I feel like in this illustration, this, 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 uh, not to illustrate, the, uh, um, um, the, uh, a parable that Jesus told of the vine and the branches, where he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, I remain in you. I feel like that we sometimes use that to try to tell people to try real hard to abide. And I think that experience of Levi trying to abide in this gallows or whatever you want to call it, I think that's the experience of a lot of Christians they just, they just try out Jesus, they try out church, and they put forth a lot of effort. And Levi, you know, as athletic as you were, you're just not strong enough to hang on forever, are you? Eventually you're going to fall. And the truth is that Adam Ely, he, he lasted about, I don't know, 20 seconds or so. Some of you, if you're in really good shape, and if you're just really strong, maybe you might be able to come up here. Maybe you might be able to do 30 or 40 pull-ups and hang there for two minutes, three minutes. But it's not going to be long before you're going to fall and you're going to drop. And I think we do each other a disservice whenever we describe abiding in Christ as something that you have to work real hard to do. Something that you have to struggle real hard to maintain. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that it's not up to me. You see, if I were to put a tree, a real tree, a real vine, real branches, you would see the branches that were in that vine or the, 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 the limbs that were on that tree, they're not putting forth, they're not struggling to hang on. They're not just barely hanging in there. They are just positionally abiding in the vine. Man, this world is so hard. There's so many, many doubts out there. How many of you have doubts sometimes? I mean, we all have doubts. We all have struggles. Sin pulls us away. But the Bible says that you are abiding. You're not just barely hanging on. You are abiding in Christ. There is a position that you have in Christ and so we have to understand it as a permanent position. And we don't struggle to bear fruit. We don't just try real hard. God helps us to bear fruit as we, and, and, and I, call it, I call faith an inaction of surrender. That's what faith is, an inaction. Your Christian experience should not be, I'm, I'm barely hanging on. And you eventually fall away and give up. That should not be your Christian experience. In fact, if you're really saved, that's not your Christian experience. Your experience with Christ is one of abiding, and it's something different. It involves the Spirit of God using the Word of God to keep you among the people of God and in Christ. If it wasn't for that, none of us would make it. None, none of us would make it in Christ if, if God didn't keep us secure. I'm going to eventually disconnect and disassociate unless there is something very spiritual in my life that is happening and is taking place and is inside of me and grips me and holds me and keeps me. Just like the song that we sang earlier, how he holds us fast. So here's, here's, what, here's what the Word says. Um, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 24, it says that the Word abides in you. The Word abides in you. It says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. 
if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. You see, my abiding in Christ has a prerequisite, a very important prerequisite. And that is that the Word, that Word that I heard originally, the Word of the Gospel, that it abides in me. That I haven't just heard the gospel, but I've actually received the gospel. And when you receive the gospel, when you receive the word, it gets inside of you. And it's interesting the way that this happens. the, The word gets inside of you and God gets a hold of you. If this has happened to you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And whenever John says, let what you heard from the beginning, I love how he takes it back to the beginning. You, you, you're remembering right now something, some beginning that you had with Christ. You, I hopefully, whenever I talked earlier and we had a prayer and I talked about 9-11 and I talked about remembering the day that you were saved, hopefully you remembered that beginning that you had with Christ. Not just some random prayer that you said, not just hearing the gospel for the first time, but that moment whenever your heart was really changed, whenever you heard the gospel And God got a hold of you. It wasn't just you trying to cling to God. It was the Word of God abiding in you. And you know, anytime I doubt, can I just tell you? Anytime I doubt, and I I mean, as you can imagine, as a pastor, I read and study Scripture a lot. Anytime I doubt anything that I read, anytime I doubt something in my Christian experience, anytime I doubt church or Christianity in general, all I have to do, is I remember that beginning. Not the first time I heard the Word, but that when I received the Word. And of the Word of God became living and active inside of me. That day, 31 years ago, when I called on Jesus, and I was that 18-year-old punk, and the Lord saved me. I remember that day, and I'm like, I know and have faith that God is real and I can trust and have assurance because God was at work in me that day in the beginning and His Word has been abiding in me ever since. You've got, this is a key. This is such a key to abiding in Christ is for it to actually have been real in your past and for it to be something that is currently real in your present, that the Word of God is inside of you, that it's living, that it's active, and that you have a relationship with the Lord that's personal. You see, studying the Word of God and reading the Word of God and meditating upon the Word of God is not just an intellectual exercise. I hope that when you came to church today, I hope that you said, well, I've got to go listen to Pastor Scott so I can learn something. Or I hope that that whenever you went to your life group today, that you didn't say, well, I'm going to go to my life group and listen, and maybe I'll learn something. Or I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'm going to read the Bible, and maybe I'll learn something. Listen, interacting and encountering the Word of God is not just about learning something. It's about worshiping someone. That's what it's about. And that's what the Word does inside of us. It doesn't just teach us in our mind. It shapes us in our heart. And you have a helper that's alongside you in the midst of this. That's what John says. He says the Spirit abides in you and teaches you. Not only does the Word abide in you, but the Spirit abides in you and teaches you. You see, left to our own to decipher the Word of God, 
we would e easily fall away and easily fall into stale academics or just old dead religion. But the Holy Spirit helps us. John says that there's some deceivers out there that are trying to get you to listen to the wrong voices. But he says, he says you have an anointing. You have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you, and He teaches you. And again, this is not just intellectual. This is the Spirit of God shaping you and guiding you and keeping you firm in Christ. These deceivers, these antichrists, they want you to listen to anything other than the gospel and the Word of God. They want, and, and that's, by the way, that's, that's how we're led, is we listen. You're led by listening. You learn by listening. You listen to the wrong voices long enough, and they begin to make sense. You listen to the wrong influences long enough, and they begin to make sense. You listen to deceivers long enough, and it all begins to make sense in your mind as you are deceived. But the Bible says that can't happen to you. You know why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is an influence inside of you, a person that is living inside of you, that is stronger and greater and more powerful in your life than any anti-unchristian influence out there. He lives inside of you, and the Word of God lives inside of you. You have the Spirit of God who uses the Word of God to keep you among the people of God. This is the only shot that we have. Without this, we, without this, we are sunk spiritually. And so our, our goal is to listen, to listen to our teacher. That's how you learn, right? So you listen. You don't listen to deceivers. You don't listen to antichrist. You don't listen to things that go against what the Bible says, go against the gospel, go against what the Lord wants for us. You don't, you don't listen to those in the sense of paying attention to them. You listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. And you let him shape you, let him guide you. And this is, again, this is not something that you work at. This should be something that God is doing inside of you. This should be something as you remember your beginning. As you remember that the, uh, all that the Lord has done inside of you. And you sense the word of God shaping you and alive inside of you. And the spirit of God teaching you. And you listen to him. And he tells you what to do. And he directs your life. You should be aware that this is happening inside of you. Because it's a sign. It's a sign that you are abiding in Christ. When the voice of the Spirit is greater than any unchristian or anti-Christian influence in you. And that voice, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, points us to something that is so much better than this world. And that is the fact that Christ is coming for you. This is an assurance that we can have. That Christ is coming for you. I was talking to one of my, one of my children uh, this past week or week before. And I don't know how we got on this subject. Somehow we got on the subject of, you know, uh, a child being kidnapped or a child being lost or, or something like that. And um, this particular child of mine just kept talking about it. I was like, listen, if that ever happens, if you ever get lost, you just need to know that I'm going to burn the world down finding you. 
I'm going to tear this place apart looking for you. No power in heaven and on earth is going to keep me from coming after you and coming for you and looking for you. It will be the only thing that is on my mind. It will captivate my heart day and night until you are found. And if you're a parent, you, 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 feel, you feel the same way. You have that same sentiment inside of you. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is coming for you. This is an assurance that we have a, a, a confidence that one day he's going to appear. Now, the world laughs at us when we say this, but the Bible says that it is going to be a public appearance, that Jesus is going to come on the clouds, that there's going to be trumpet blasts, that there's going to be cries of archangels, that there's going to be people that are going to meet the Lord in the air. The Word of God says this. The Word of God inside of us with the Spirit of God through the anointing that we have been given testifies that Jesus is coming for us. And we should have that confidence. We should have that confidence inside of us that he is, he is coming for us. Will you have that conf- would you have that confidence? You know, whenever I, whenever I get home from the office at the end of the day and I come walking in the door, my children are usually, except for my teenagers, my children are usually like, Daddy! And they want to come and hug me, like I say, except for my teenagers because they just are out, you know. I wanted, I wanted to really hang a teenager today, but I digress. Are we going to be that way whenever Jesus comes back? Are we going to be that way that Jesus, are we going to shrink back? He says, we don't want to be that way. We don't want to shrink back from him in shame. We want to see him and we want to say, he, I knew he was going to come for me. The word of God promised it. The spirit of God has been pointing me towards it. My whole life has been driven towards something other than this world. And Jesus is here finally. You see, these things, these things give us Assurance. And I returned to where I started, this recognizable characteristic that is true about every person that knows the Lord, and that is perseverance. Those who genuinely receive Christ abide in Christ. Because it's not all up to you. It's not all up to you. You don't have to, you don't have to worry. I mean, there's too much sin in the world. There's too much temptation in the world. There's too many deceivers in the world. Without the Spirit of God, without the Word of God, keeping you among the people of God, you won't make it. This is something that, that Jesus does for you. And that's why you persevere. Not because you're strong enough and not because you're capable enough. I remember that old picture. Some of you may still have it hanging up somewhere. The, the Footprints in the Sand poem. Y'all have probably seen that. And it was popular 20 years ago or so. And it, it shows one set of footprints in the sand. And it's, you know, the person saying, hey, I went through all these problems and trials. And, you know, I made it through. I made it through. But there was only one set of footprints in the sand whenever I was walking through all these hard things. And... Of course, as the, the, the poem goes, it's Jesus saying, that was whenever I was carrying you. I carried you through all those problems. I carried you through all those times. If you know Jesus as Savior, and you have persevered in your faith for a long time, you know who you're going to give credit to? You're not going to give credit to yourself as if you've just been hanging in there. You're going to give credit to God who has kept you who has held you fast. That's something to rejoice over. 
And I wonder today, maybe, you, maybe, maybe today, and they're in our prayer time, you just want to pray a prayer of thankfulness. And you just want to say, God, thank you so much for keeping me. But maybe today you would say, and let me go back to that first slide that had some of those recognizable characteristics, that had several of those. Maybe you would say today, I haven't seen any of these in my life. Maybe you would say today, there's just never been a time when I've been in joyful fellowship of God. I've, I've never really acknowledged my sin. I've never experienced forgiveness and cleansing from God. I'm, just, I'm not obedient to Jesus. I never have been. Man, I'm so captivated by the things of this world. The thought of heaven, the thought of Jesus coming back doesn't inspire me at all. Persevering? Are you kidding me? There's no way I could read my Bible every day, come to church week after week, live for Christ, live up to everything. There's just no way I could do that. Some of you might be in a position where you would say, none of these recognize, and listen, we're just getting started in the book of 1 John. There's like 15 more. You, you, might, would, you might would say, I, I, I just, none of these things are true about me. Maybe you just need to call on Jesus today. You need divine help. If you're going to be saved today, you need help. You need divine help. You need the Spirit of God to do something inside of you. And the Bible says, the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. I've, I've never known anyone who wanted to be saved but couldn't be. Now, I've known plenty of people who have said, I really, really, really want to be saved, but I can't let go of my sin. I know a lot of people that way. In fact, the scripture even describes one to us. Remember the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus eager. I've done all these things. I really want eternal life. Jesus said, sell all you own. He was like, mm, don't want it that bad. Yeah, I can't do that. Bible says he went away sad. He was very sad. I noticed that Jesus didn't try to comfort him. He didn't chase him down and pat him on the back and say, oh, it's okay. I'll save you anyway. No, we gotta, we, we've got to surrender. We've got to give up things. I've known a lot of people that just seemed like they had angst inside of them. They really wanted to be saved. But they were like that rich young ruler. They just couldn't give up things in their life. They just couldn't leave behind certain sin. They, could, they couldn't repent. And if you, can't, if you can't repent, you can't be saved. If there's no repentance, there's just no salvation. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you'd say, man, I, I, I'm really interested in Jesus. But I'm having just, I'm having, I got some hang-ups. Maybe your hang-up your hang-up is always something in this world. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's money. Uh, maybe it's I don't know. A it could be all. It could be all. It could be any number of things. You could say there's something hanging me up. Maybe today you would say I'm going to give that up, and I'm going to truly call on Jesus and be saved. Let's bow our heads. And let's close our eyes, and I want you to just pray whatever you feel like you need to pray. If you're a Christian here today, y'all hear me, Christian. If you're here today, I hope that you are rejoicing in your salvation right now. I want you to pray a prayer of thankfulness. And I, I just want you to say, God, thank you so much for the fellowship that I have with you, for showing me my sin, for drawing me close to you, giving me forgiveness and cleansing. Thank you, God, for detaching me emotionally from the things of this world. Thank you for helping me to persevere. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Maybe you just need to pray that prayer today. Just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Or perhaps you don't know Jesus. You just don't know him. There's nothing recognizable in your life 
that distinguishes you from anybody else. And maybe you just need to call on Jesus today. Pastor Andy's going to play a song. And uh, you just pray to yourself. And then we're going to sing. And you just, you just spend some time in prayer. If you would like to come to the altar while we're praying or while we're singing, and you would like to just kneel and pray on the altar, you're welcome to do that this time. Thanks again for joining us this morning. We hope that you enjoyed the message. We want to encourage you that if God was moving in your life today to let us know, we want to help you take a next step in your relationship with Christ. Whether that is accepting Christ for the first time, whether that is just learning more about our church or how you can find community in a life group, we want to help you do that. All you simply have to do is just let us know by leaving a comment here or you can visit us at our website, stephenstreet.org. Those are the best two ways to get in touch with us. Hey, again, we always hope that you can join us on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 10.30 for our worship service. But if not, we hope to see you here next week. Thanks again.